So hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Human Experience at Work podcast. This is Nelly Bustani. And today I have the pleasure of welcoming Golnaz Bahmanyar. Golnaz leads Egon Zender's consumer and retail, as well as CHRO practice in the Middle East. She's been based in Dubai since 2008. Goli is a trusted advisor to many regional CHROs and engages routinely with them on the development of their HR agenda, as well as their talent requirement. She also is involved with top-level executive search, senior leadership assessment and development, and C-suite succession planning for her diverse portfolio of clients. But Goli has a very diverse background. She has a Bachelor of Science in Information Technology from the Tokyo Institute of Technology and an MBA from INSEAD. She was a strategy consultant with Booz Co and had a career earlier with the Richmond Group in Japan and the US. So Gali, thank you for being our guest today. It's, I'm really uh, happy to have you here with us. Uh, you have quite a diverse background uh, and you studied you know, technology, you have, uh, you're working now in the executive search, have a, really worked in different industries before. What do these worlds have in common and, and how do you bring them all together? First of all, Nelly, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you. And thank you for the elaborate introduction. Listen, I mean, if I think about my background and where it has led me today, I guess, uh, you know, my early beginnings in operational roles in a the retail setup, followed by strategy consulting within, within the broader consumer sector helped me uh, make the shift to, to executive search where at the end of the day, you know, an, an intimate understanding of, um, of my client's business, as well as, uh, you know, understanding the strategy behind it helps uh, continue this, this journey of, uh, of being their trusted advisor. So that's, that's on, on the journey. Now, you know, the sector that I primarily cover, consumer retail, has been, uh, of, of course, you know, heavily impacted by, by digital and technology. And there, I guess, you know, the conversations around, you know, e-commerce, omni-channel, and the, the different capabilities that are required in those contexts uh, speak well to my earlier beginnings, uh, which, which was technology, although, again, that's a long time ago, but, but absolutely helps. Yeah, I, I can echo that because I also have studied computer science and I see how useful this is in today's uh, world. Last time we met was in February, and it's been really, it feels like ages since we last met. I'm curious to know how has the, the world of executive search been impacted with the recent events? Yes, Nelly, you're right. It does feel like a completely different world since last time you and I met. And frankly, this is a question that I get asked quite regularly. Maybe at a macro level, I have to say that the pace of new executive hirings has generally slowed down. Uh, you know, the companies have been very busy focusing on, you know, liquidity issues and operational issues. This said, where we as Egon Zender operate, which is, you know, typically the C-suite, key hires are still continuing to progress. Uh, of course, you know, a few mandates have been put on hold here and there with the idea of reassessing them in the you know, coming 60 to 90 days. And we're already starting to see some of those coming back. At the same time, maybe there is great disparity between industries which affect their outlook on, on, on hiring. You know, the, the industries that I cover, even between, you know, within, within retail and consumer, retail has seen a massive, massive freeze. Whereas uh, FMCG, because of their higher demand, uh, commensurate with that, the, the demand for talent has, has gone up. 
Um, and it's interesting to see that there are many cases of uh, repurposing talent within the organizations. I mean, in, in our region, Majid Al-Fatemas has done a fantastic job of sort of shifting uh, talent from their uh, you know, non-retail business to retail business. Globally, I know, for example, I, I read McDonald's and Aldi have done the same. So this, this, is, this has create, created a new shift and trend in how, how talent is moving. I have to say this crisis has also created opportunities and there are instances where previously unattractable talent has now become available. I don't know if you have read uh, some, some weeks ago, um, the CEO of Airbnb posted a very, very interesting or emotional uh, letter online where he announced that they had to let go of 25% of their talent, but he heavily endorsed that talent and you know, put it out there that this was not uh, you know, to their fault. So I think nimble clients are moving quickly to use this window to attract top talent. And when I say nimble is because these, these, these clients need to act a little bit differently than normal circumstances, whereas before they, you know, they, they, they may have been quite adamant to see a long short list of candidates to, to, to pick and choose from. Now they need to make those decisions quite quickly without having a robust slate of comparable prospects. And of course, you know, in some cases, without, without meeting that person in, in, in person or physically. We're also seeing some specific talents becoming more sought after. This is uh, particularly, you know, talent that has experienced in, you know, distress situation is now, you know, highly in demand. You know, if you think about, you know, de-risking, restructuring, cost-cutting, those are, those are cer certain capabilities and expertise that are becoming um, quite interesting to have these days. One interesting one, and, and I think speaks also to a lot of what we do in this region, a lot of our work at the C-suite, you know, tends to be global. Relocation impediments and travel bans are placing a lot more focus on local talent or talent that's available in this region and allowing us to have conversations that are much more focused on potential versus experience. And we're having a lot of conversations with our clients around, you know, trade-off. Uh, so we're focusing on how we can leverage the, the, the talent that's in the region. And lastly, to, to answer your question, Nelly, in terms of what this has meant for us, I think the crisis has also been an opportunity for us in a way to have more conversations with our clients on our broader, I would say, non-search leadership advisory services. You know, when it comes to individual, we, we, we're talking a lot about onboarding around assessment, development. When it comes to teams, we're talking a lot more about team alignment, team resilience. When we talk about organizations, it's around, you know, what is the optimal structure? And finally, around culture and purpose. Well, th thank you for sharing that. Now, obviously, in your role, you do place a, a lot of senior executives and in the recent crisis, as you mentioned, has put leadership under a real test, both from managing the business through disruption to operating in a digitally remote environment, which was new to many of the customers in the region, as well as focusing on people's safety and well-being. So to what extent, you know, I know you covered it a little bit that you're looking more for executives with experience on cost cutting and optimization and so on. So I'm interested to understand how much did this impact what you look for means in terms of criteria for selection in the leaders? How have the mandates of the current assignments you're working on been impacted? So I guess, uh, Nelly, this has been a unique time and opportunity for real leadership to shine. And maybe before I go back to answer your question, just to put things a little bit in, in, in perspective, and if, if I can set the scene. So we have been over the years uh, at Egon's under assessing leaders 
based on not only their past performance and, and current leadership competencies, but also based on their potential. And here, you know, by potential, I mean basically, you know, the, the ability to predict a person's ability to grow and handle fundamentally different, you know, uh, unknown complex problems and issues. This has been specifically the case in an era where uh, of disruption, where you know the Airbnbs and the Ubers of the world have come in and, and completely disrupted an entire industry. So relying on one's past experience is not necessarily going to to help us in, in the new paradigm. But the good news is that we can actually measure potential, and and you know we have a proprietary model for doing that, and uh, you know we can do that with a very high level of accuracy. So we look at four things to to measure potential. The first of that is curiosity. This is the you know, when, when a child is asking questions and wants to understand the, the, the world around them, this is the same curiosity that allows a, an executive to really ask questions around not just the world around them, um, but also about themselves, right? How self-aware are they as they're uh, sort of going through the journey of leadership? The second one is insight, the ability to connect the dots, uh, the ability to derive insights. The third one is around engagement, and this is... Um, you know, to, to, to win the hearts and minds uh, of the people around, to, to be able to build, a, build an ecosystem of advocates around you. And the last one is determination, which is the resilience, uh, you know, you fall down, you, you, you know, you go back up again. So those four things are, if you really know how to measure in a system, are good predictions for one's potential. So in a time of crisis, I guess, really doubling down on potential. And if you look at all of those four elements have become even more important in time of I wouldn't even call it um, complex, but it's chaos. If I look at leaders who demonstrated outstanding leadership during this crisis, there are a couple of other perhaps personality traits that I think they've demonstrated and we can, we can learn from. One was their ability to put an effective plan together quite quickly. You know, this is, this is required from being, uh, you know, proactive, from being reactive to proactive in managing their operation. Uh, you know, remote working, taking about the health and safety of the, of the staff and so on and so forth. They were also amazing and outstanding communicators, storytellers, and were able to connect with the people through, you know, clear messaging. Maybe this goes back a little bit to, to the element of, of engagement. And then the last bit is about the self. This is really a leader's ability to demonstrate vulnerability and humility two qualities that basically connect human beings uh, to one another. And by vulnerability, I mean, you know, tearing off that bandit quickly, you know, be authentic, deliver the bad news, put it on the table, show genuine emotion. And by humility, I guess this is the uh, ability to demonstrate empathy, you know, share sacrifice, be with them on the ground uh, and inspire them. And I guess, you know, if I think about those qualities in the future, leaders really have to place individuals in the heart of the organization. And this goes hand in hand with this new leadership style, which is much more inclusive and attentive to, um, to individuals and their needs. One example that has touched me personally has been the uh, message of, of the CEO of Marriott that, that went viral uh, pretty much early on in the, in the crisis. Vulnerability, humility, but the final 60 seconds or so of that of that message or speech is something that was impossible to capture in an email. Couldn't agree more. I think, uh, you know, like leadership, authentic leadership is more than needed in a time of crisis. Now, looking at this from a different, in, uh, you know, perspective or from a different angle, 
And looking at, I mean, you spoke about potential, you spoke about the ability, you know, to uh, develop or to quickly learn or to have the curiosity, the determination uh, and the insights. In a recent Deloitte Human Capital Management Trend Report, they speak about the competencies of the leaders, leaders of the 21st century. Of course, you know, leading through change, embracing ambiguity and uncertainty are one aspect of uh, what leaders should have. But the other side is more around understanding the digital, cognitive and AI-driven technologies. To what extent do you see digital proficiency being considered as a key requirement in today's leadership hiring strategy? That's, a, that's an interesting one, Lenny. And, and, and you're right. I think, you know, where we are, and if you look at the world around us, it's become indispensable for any industry to, to, to really succeed and be ahead of the game without digital. So having digital proficiency, I think, is, is absolutely key. We necessarily do not have that in our assessment criteria. Of course, it depends on the role, right? I mean, if we're talking about specifically roles that, that, that have a have a digital component to it, of course, it's something to look at. But I would say I would go back to the to the potential. And I guess it's it's much more around uh, the curiosity of a leader to acknowledge that there is a need to 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 rethink their business if they had not adopted or if they did not have uh, digital tools to advance their business. It's it's absolutely, you know, this is the time to think about it. This is the time to be curious about it. This is the time to build teams uh, around those capabilities. I mean, if I think about uh, again, my space, which is primarily, you know, consumer and retail, uh, many retailers in the region, but also globally, uh, what has kept them alive is there is the leg that they had on e-commerce, which, you know, used to represent a very small proportion of their sales. Today, you know, that's really, again, it, it, it's uh, still maybe not to the level of brick and mortar sales, but that's what's keeping them abreast. So, so for a traditional, let's say, retail leader, not being proficient in data, in analytics, and what it can bring to the business and how it can transform that business, I think is, uh, is just uh, unthinkable. Yeah. So, and, and I see this more and more, you know, expanding as well to the HR world. From what I heard from a lot of, from my network, but also from a lot of our customers, especially those who embarked and were already like way ahead in terms of their digital achievement, they were able to navigate the crisis much more at ease and make an impact to the business than those who were still lagging behind. But talking about the HR and the CHRO population, you lead the CHRO practice group in the Middle East. And I'm sure, uh, you know, I'm in conversation with a lot of the CHROs in the region. What do you hear from them about their priorities for the next 12 to 24 months how has these, you know, been impacted by the recent events? Absolutely, Nelly. I think maybe if I start with what are the common themes and threads that I've been hearing over the last months, weeks, I think what has taken a lot of time from HR leaders and their team during this crisis has, has been a lot, has, has got a lot to do with managing costs. Uh, you know, identifying initiatives to limit the impact on PNL, and then, you know, we all know that that employees and staff are a big uh constituent of that so that's that's one um second is has been you know preparing for uh short-term measures uh to guarantee safe return of staff or of employees to the workforce 
And third has been around organization redesign, re-engineering of processes, you know, how do we think about the organization of the future? So those three, I would say, um, has been taking up the time from HR leaders. Now, if I think about or sort of look forward, what I also hear uh, from the HR community in terms of, uh, you know, their priorities over the next 12 months, um, there are three things. One is employee well-being. Uh, that has to do with, uh, you know, the mental health aspect, the anxieties of going back to work, um, the friction between shop floor and the office. You know, there, there many, many organizations, even during this time, have had people on the front line, uh, you know, conducting businesses before. Um, HR teams themselves have been under tremendous pressure uh, emotionally, you know, but also also the amount of work. Um, how, how, how do they, you know, keep or continue keeping employees motivated? So there's this whole element around employee well-being that I think is, uh, is one, one key priority. The second one is around uh, communication, primarily internal communication, and how to translate all of those things into uh, the organization. And the third, you touched upon it uh, previously, Nelly, is around digital HR and HRIS. Uh, how to leverage those tools to really add value to the business and, and drive um, decisions, in a, in a, in a with, with data. And do you see, when it comes to digital HR, the last point you mentioned the, in the list of priorities, do you see this being accelerated as a result of the crisis or, you know, still put uh, on hold or in the back uh, seat? So digital HR netting has absolutely been accelerated in, in, in most organizations. Uh, surprisingly, and, and what I'm hearing from, from many of my clients, they had already embarked on the journey of embracing digital HR specifically, uh, you know, with varying degrees of, uh, of progress. And what the crisis did is really they just uh, helped accelerate that accelerate that forward. Um, and 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 what what HR digital does it helps HR basically to generate consistent talent insight linked to value. So it's it's also helping massively the repositioning of uh, HR function as one that's that's consistently delivering value to the to the business. On the talent side, I guess um, people analytics can arm HR with the insights that they need to, you know, consistently deploy talent actions and programs that, that, that again, go back to business value. Um, on um, on uh, another dimension of people analytics is, is allowing also the HR leaders to highlight the relevance of understanding worries and anxieties and and, and, and feelings of, uh, of employees in a, especially at a time like this where, where you know, this information, if it's, if it's generated and if it's read properly, can be a great tool and a great data set to, take, take, to be taken into the war room for discussion, analysis, and ultimately decision-making. Um, yeah, so, so I guess, I guess uh, definitely, a, yeah, something that's been accelerated over the, over the last couple of weeks. Yes, and um, I can see the importance of keeping a pulse on employees' well-being and, you know, engagement, especially, you know, because it's it's tough time for everybody. And I think uh, we have a lot of employees dealing either with isolation, with family separation, or others with the anxiety of going back to the office or to a work environment or to the shop floor or to the mall, but still, you know, having, you know, the anxiety about their own safety and well-being and the family as well. So definitely something that HR, you know, has been talking uh, more and more about and how do we deal with that?
So from what you're hearing, Golly, and, you know, the, the trends, uh, but also, you know, the sentiments of CHROs across the region, how would you imagine the world of work would evolve over the next few years? Do we, is this work from home uh, reality going to stay? Uh, is here to stay? Do you think, you know, people will go back to normal? What, what do you think the future would look like and how should CHROs be prepared? Look, Sally, it's uh, obviously it's hard to say, right? It, it requires, I guess, a bit of a crystal ball. But a couple of elements, I think, are going to become quite quite key. One is this whole notion of workplace. Uh, we have all now been working from home, you know, varying de degrees of, uh, of effectiveness, but largely, I hear it's been working really well for a lot of people. So the notion of workplace, the concept of, you know, the office being used as a space for people to work, to a space where people can collaborate and, and be for you know be there for specific reasons, I think I think will change. Again, depends on the business. You know, some businesses still uh, have a front line enough, but I think this whole notion of workplace, office, and the purpose of the office, I think, will, will dramatically change. The second element is around flexibility. Uh, a lot of employees through the work from home have enjoyed the flexibility that they've gained. And uh, this is an this is this is something that's been you know valued by people. Uh, it's it's become even more evident these days. So how do we redesign flexibility, and how do we then link KPIs, performance, productivity to this newly defined flexibility? I think that's going to be a second you know second theme that, that that's going to change. Um, the third one is around engagement. We touched upon it briefly uh, when we were talking about how digital HR can can help with the engagement. But you know, keeping employees engaged is is quite demanding, and uh, there is already a sense that you know there is a fatigue that's caused by these you know nonstop Zoom conversations and the twenty four seven meetings, you know, across geographies and time zones and so on. So finding a different way through digital HR, through other, to 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 continue motivating and engaging. Talent, I think, is uh, is another thing. Um, another one is learning and development. Again, goes back to goes back to digital um, HR. I guess you know, digital is here to stay, and and a big part of learning and development LMB LMD would be would be linked to that. So, how can that or how should that be structured in the future? And then, lastly, is around leadership, talent management, succession planning. Um, you know, I think there is a need to have a fresh look as to how we manage talent in the new, new normal, um, how we manage succession planning, um, how, how do we develop, how do we help uh, leadership develop to be more humane, to be more closely connected, to be more inclusive, you know, the things that we talked about earlier on. Um, so I think those are the themes or topics that, that, uh, that HR leaders really will have to you know help the organizations help the leaders of the organizations think very differently about and and the role of hr in facilitating that shift i guess is um is is quite critical uh to 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 to, to the organization yes uh and thank you Golly, for that insight uh, I think, you know, when you mentioned the role of uh, leadership, talent management and succession and how organizations need to have really a fresh look uh, at that really uh, triggered something in me because, you know, given I have been more than 20 years in the world of HR, I think the 
we have seen, you know, how sometimes invisible talent shine through the crisis. And the question is, how can we identify those potential and those talent without the crisis and ensure that we really attract, develop and retain uh, the right talent that you know is important for the sustainability of the organization and also when you look at uh, the role of hr in uh, facilitating all of this i think it has shined the light on the role of hr in really being in the driver's seat sometimes challenging the culture of the organization what we have seen throughout this crisis is customers who were always resistant to change have been much more open uh, you know to do things differently given the reality the question is how can we take that opportunity and drive some of those uh, mindset shifts and behavioral change that will allow the company to thrive in the new world of work moving forward is going to be key and i believe chros of our region will have a key role to play in this regard Nelly, I couldn't agree more with you. Um, and perhaps to build on what you just said, uh, I guess there are three elements or areas where HR can really play a strategic role. One is around ensuring that the best talent is um, staffed in the most critical roles across the organization, uh, which requires uh, one understanding you know, how and where the enterprise will create value and translating that into critical roles and making people decisions. The second one is around optimizing performance of that talent through effective talent practices and performance management practices. And then the last one is leveraging uh, people analytics um, to help leadership make data-driven decisions um, uh, as, as they're driving the business forward. And this is great to hear. I think we've come to the end of our conversation, which I really, really enjoyed. I think organizations and you know consultants and advisors like yours play an important role in shaping and enabling our markets to select the right leaders with the 21st century skill sets that are at ease you know with navigating through turbulence and uncertainty and create a long lasting human experience at work. Golly, thank you for being with us and uh, really appreciated your valuable insight. Nelly, thank you again for having me. I also really enjoyed our conversation and hope to see you soon. Thank you. Same here. This is Nelly Bustani and you've been listening to Human Experience at Work. Thank you so much for tuning in, listening and leaving your reviews. Stay tuned for the next one to hear different perspectives from our guest speakers on bringing human experience at work to life.